Thank God. We have one of my dearest friends today. In fact, he is an overseer for me. I have two overseers, Rick Godwin and Dwight Bain. They are personal um, mentors, counselors, and overseers in my life to try to keep me straight. We have a board of directors that takes care of all the financial things and, and all the organizational stuff as a board of director, but I'm very thankful. And a lot of pastors don't have that. Had a pastor call me this week and said, I need a pastor in my life. I don't have a pastor right now in my life. And I was thankful to be able to encourage him and help him. But I'm so thankful for the pastors that God has in my life. Dwight is the owner of LifeWorks Counseling, Mentoring, Coaching uh, Group out of Orlando. Anytime there's a crisis around the world or in the community, he's asked to come. He'll be, you'll see him often on Orlando TV stations. Anytime we have a crisis, he's always there. There, always has a word. He's been my counselor now for years, and Anita's, and I know several of you have gone to him, and he's been with us at a couple of retreats and spoken into our life, but the greatest thing I can say about Dwight is this, my life is better because of Dwight Bain, and I want you to give him a warm welcome as he comes today, my dear friend Dwight Bain. seated. Today we are going to talk about anniversary. And one of the things that you'll need is coming to you in buckets right now, right? There are buckets not for an offering, but there are buckets for something simple, but you're going to have to hang on to it, right? So here's, there's a lifesaver coming. Don't eat it just yet. Unless the person, you, and then so take one. If you need a handful, you can get some later. They're going to pass these out, so you take one. Now, if there's like, I don't know, like a, a halitosis emergency, maybe you can just, you know, you can give it to them now, but I'd rather you wait for a couple of minutes, because <clears throat> I'm going to be talking to you about growth. Today is the 23rd anniversary, and I like anniversaries, I like special days, because anniversaries are a chance when we get our family together, and we think about blessings. When you look at family pictures, we take pictures on anniversaries. We take pictures in the South, we take pictures at funerals. You know, like here's a selfie with me and grandma. That's kind of weird. <laughs> but I'm a Southerner, so it, I didn't know for the longest time that that was weird. I remember the first time we took our children to, uh, to a funeral, it was my wife's aunt who was killed in Hurricane Charlie, and she was a strong Christ follower. And, and it was in Lake Wales, she'd been the postmaster, so this funeral home was just packed. And my kids were like, you know, fourth, fifth grade, and they were, in, and I, I lost track of them because there's like 500 people at this funeral home, <clears throat> and I'm looking around, people, you know, eating and doing different stuff that you do at a funeral, catching up with each other, and I see my kids over in the corner just, just pale. They said, Dad, this is weird. I said, what? They said, there's like, and, was, and I realized it was the first time that they'd ever been to a funeral. They said, there's like a dead body. It was open casket. And they said, there's like a dead body, and dad, this is messed up. That people are putting like their plates of, of chicken tenders and nachos on the casket, talking to each other, taking selfies. And that's when it dawned on me, this is messed up. <laughs> it's the last time I ever had chicken tenders next to a corpse. It was like, yeah, you know, not going to do that. But last week, it's been an interesting week, lots of things happening. A week ago, our daughter got married. Our baby girl, everybody go, ah. 
It was a glorious day of me, and it's this interesting thing, Pastor Terry. They take the dad, the dad walks in with the, with the bride, and the minister says, Pastor Josh said, who gives this woman in marriage, and my job is to say her mother and I. And it's like, what a weird tradition, what a weird cultural thing that in our culture, dads would have to give their daughter away. I didn't mind that part. It's getting her off the payroll. That part's great. <laughs> but then you got to pay for it. Yeah. It's like, huh? <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought, you know, so I give her away, but i got to pay for this big party. And so something that happened, and I'm going to see if I can do this without hurting myself, because something that my daughter and I did at the wedding, because at a wedding, you, know, you, you do a daddy-daughter dance. This was our daddy-daughter dance. The DJ, the DJ said it was the longest mashup, because we started with Dance with Cinderella while she is here in my arms, that Stephen Curtis Chapman song. We did six minutes, 32 seconds of mashup. I mean, I did the sprinkler, back it up, whoop, 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 whoop. Didn't do the lawnmower, but I did the clothesline. I mean, we did Taylor Swift, shake it off, shake it off, right? We had the best time. And then a couple days later, because anniversaries are a chance when you get together with the people that you love and you talk and you laugh. A couple days later, a friend of mine passed away from a heart attack, Bob Porter, right over in Eustis. He was a professor at UCF. And the last time I saw Bob was about a month ago. And I hugged him, and I said, I sure do love you. He said, I wish you wouldn't hug me when you say that. Because <laughs> he was like a man's man. And the last thing I said to him was that I loved him. So when his wife said he had a sudden heart attack and died, could you, could you like, speak at his funeral? Yeah. Because Bob and I talked about heaven many times. He was a Christ follower, 60 years old. But he knew what he believed. And on an anniversary Sunday, I'm so honored to be here, 23 years ago, this was an idea. And now thousands and thousands of lives changed, including mine, including yours. So when I thought about an anniversary, what could we talk about? I thought, oh, let's talk about spiritual maturity. Because on an anniversary... It should be about important stuff. So turn to somebody next to you and just say, grow up. I mean, but just say it with some attitude. I mean, you say it with the attitude like, just grow up, would you? Because spiritual maturity is about growing up. Because some people, some people are just immature. You know what I'm talking about? Because when you think about immaturity, I mean, some people, 
Remember, these guys were paid to be at work. <laughs> Somebody's paying them for that. And so when you think about immaturity, See, see my, my, my first thought beyond, that's not smart, my first thought after that was, how come it's only guys in these pictures? What's that about? Because some people define immaturity, that's a word that boring people use to describe fun people, right? Because you're a fun person, right? So turn to the person on the other side and say, today we're going to talk about growing up. Because if you do not grow up, here's what I want you to know. You will keep repeating the same problems. How did he get in there? How do you get him out? That's just a scary thought. Again, how come it's only guys who get in this situation, right? We keep repeating the same problems because for some people, their anniversary looks like every other day. You know, it's like, you know, same problem, just as a different day. And my goal is that, that we would grow, that we would walk away better, because I'll tell you this, life will continue to repeat the same problems until you have a serious crisis or a serious choice. In your, in your weekly guide, there's a fill in the blank. And Anita and I worked on this to give you a tool. And you can take, you know, pictures of the fill in the blank, or you can just fill them in. Because I want you to understand, I've been a counselor over 35 years. I've seen lots of difficult situations, and I've watched them turn around because I help people rewrite their story. And you'll keep having the same problem until there's a crisis or until you make a choice. And I want you to fill this in because I want you to walk away feeling stronger and better because of our time. And I didn't believe that for most of my adult life because people would say, you need to take better care of yourself, you need to eat better, you need to you know, get more rest and all that you know, stuff. And, and I just thought, you know, I'm not going to do that. Nobody in my family had ever had a heart attack. So imagine how shocked I was when I had a heart attack. An Orange County Fire Rescue came and got me. I was getting ready to go to Iraq to work with troops. But by God's grace, I had a heart attack here. I was already packed. I already filled out all the paperwork for the Department of Defense. And on the other side of a heart attack, you know what? Being, being a hippie makes a lot more sense. Because I used to make fun of like the people from California, you know, flakes and fruits and nuts, and they would eat all the granola, and they would eat fresh fruit, and they'd eat organic, you know, you got, you got to watch out for pesticides, and I would like, I don't even care about all that stuff, but you know what, today I care about all that stuff. Because the Bible teaches that this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if I talk about stewardship and living right before God, wouldn't it be great if our bodies were a reflection because our bodies were bought with a price. And if people were able to say, they take care of their body in such a way that I know they must have a higher belief system because they're healthier than everybody in their family. I didn't believe that for the longest time, but I do now. Because a sudden crisis helped me to see the need to change. Now, there's an easier way, and it's called make a choice. Because if you make a choice to change, if you decide, you know what? 
I think I need to change something in my life. When I pray, before I, before I teach like this, my prayer is always that God would use the message to change hearts, but that he would change my heart first. I think that I'm screwed up. I think that I needed Jesus to save my life. And it's interesting, there are some people who say, well, I don't have problems, but all the people in my family have problems, so this is good therapy, this will help. Turn to somebody, hopefully that you're related to, and just look at them, eyeball, eye contact, eyeball to eyeball, and say, you're screwed up. I mean, just try that, just try that. Doesn't that feel good? Ma'am, when you elbow him, I can see you, okay? I can see it when you elbow him, right? Here's what I want you to know. We're all screwed up. That's why we need Jesus. Easter is my favorite holiday, not because of chocolate bunnies. I don't understand that part. Easter is my favorite holiday because Jesus Christ came to redeem sinners. And when the Apostle Paul said, to redeem sinners like me because I'm the chief of sinners. I always thought, well, Paul kind of wrote half the New Testament. He's a pretty good guy until I came to understand my own sinfulness. The apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners because he knew his own sins the most. Do you know yours? Do you know yours? I gave you a piece of candy because I want you to understand there was a terrible crash that happened in 1912. All right, so take your lifesaver. And this terrible crash, Titanic, of course, it was the talk, it was all everybody could talk about in 1912. Did you hear Titanic went down, the unsinkable ship? It went down, did you hear? And I guess the reason that people were still talking about it in 1912 when a man named Clarence Crane invented this candy. He said, if there had been enough life preservers and lifeboats. Nobody on Titanic had to die. The captain of Titanic, it was, Titanic was over four and a half hours sinking. It was well built for its time, but the captain was offered a prize if he could get to New York City the fastest, so he was steaming at night when everybody else was at anchor. There was a ship called the California and only a mile and a half away. All he had to do was to call for help, but he wouldn't do it. He didn't want to admit there was a problem. So when I'm able to say, not my mother, not my brother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer, because I think that everybody in this room needs a lifesaver. You need something to save something in your life. Maybe it's financial, emotional, a relationship. Maybe it's a health issue. But more than anything, you wish that somebody would just throw you something to save your life. That's what this church has been about for 23 years. This church throws out life preservers. It's a lifeboat to be able to save people's lives. And when I think about this idea, I wanted to spend our time focusing on a spiritual timeline. Now, this, this would be a good slide if you want to take a picture of it, because the idea is you met Christ at some point on a timeline. My friend Bob didn't know last week he'd be with the Lord. He was only 60 years old. So on a timeline, you met the Lord somewhere on your spiritual timeline, not your lifeline. You know, life would be born here, died here. And diet is not the opposite of life. Life goes on. Death is the opposite of birth. That's why you see on a cemetery marker, it will say born, died. Their life goes on. Their spirit goes on somewhere. If you know the Lord, you go on with the Lord. So a spiritual timeline is being able to say, when did you feel really close to God? Are you closer to God today than you were 
a year ago on the 22nd anniversary? Are you closer to God today? Are you an inspiration to the people that you're in relationship with? Or do you see where it says when you felt distant from God? Are you more distant from God? Because when we start to look at the highs and the lows of your spiritual journey, the reason that we plug in to a community of believers like this is so that we can keep growing. I love being around people that make me better in my belief system. To be around your pastors, they make me want to be a better person. Iron sharpening iron. And so when I think about moving forward, I told you about a candy maker. Let me tell you about a different candy maker. He didn't invent lifesavers. That was Clarence Kane in 1912. In the 1940s, right after World War II, Bill Bright, the picture that you see on the screen, Bill Bright went to the University of Oklahoma, and he went into the candy business. And it was a very successful business. He moved to Southern California, got involved in a church that had an amazing anointed woman who was the teacher named Henrietta Mears. And she, she challenged him because she said, I, I think that you're more than business. And his business was very successful. He was 40 years old, sitting under the anointed teaching of this woman. And he said, I feel like, I feel like God's calling me from business to ministry. And he wrote down four spiritual laws. Maybe you've heard of them. The four spiritual laws Bill Bright wrote in 1952 when he sold his business and went into full-time ministry and Campus Crusade for Christ was formed because a candy maker said, there's, there's more to life than making money off of candy. We need to talk to people about what would save their soul. So if you know what you believe, do you talk to people about it? If you know what you believe, do you share it with the people in your family? Bill Bright said, if I don't tell them what I believe, I'm going to question myself, do I even love them? Because there are people in my family, I want them to know the Lord, but, but I just, I'll call the church. Maybe the pastor will talk to them about the Lord. Maybe you and I could live different, and then maybe we could just talk to them about the Lord. You'll see up on the screen, a slide that says, you're a spiritual being having a human experience. Your soul and spirit will be somewhere forever. If you know and you've surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've accepted Christ in your life, like these individuals who said, I've met the Lord, and it changed everything. That's so exciting. You know, there's some churches that will go years without a baptism. They just kind of have just religion. They go, I guess, have a, uh, you know, a lesson, and they all go home and you know, just fuss at the Methodists for being in line at the food buffet before they get there, and they're just... It's just something that they do. But when I'm able to say Jesus Christ changed my life, that's powerful. We are spiritual. I want to feed that on your timeline. So let's take a look at it. There are four tracks your life can follow. As you're taking notes, there's a crash track. A crash track means you're doing something that's messing with you. And even though sometimes we will, you know, on Sunday, we'll put on our Sunday best. And we'll be able to say, well, I'm going to dress up, right? But there's something that maybe you hide behind. And everybody else thinks, oh, they are really spiritual. They've got it all together. And so my hope would be, because you know what you're crashing with, physical, emotional, spiritual, character, financial, maybe secret sins, lust, addictions. Wouldn't it be great, Sean? Wouldn't it be great? Thanks. If we could say, I'm going to strip away... 
the fact that I got it all together. Wouldn't it be powerful? You see, when I go, when I go and I say I'm screwed up, I'm not kidding. In fact, I'll give you my wife's cell number. You can call her right now. She'll say, he's, he's telling the truth. He's pretty screwed up. And call my children, and they'll go, yeah, yeah, he's a pretty screwed up guy. Our office manager's from Nigeria, and her husband, who's a Nigerian evangelist, gave me a tremendous compliment uh, when I saw him a few weeks ago. He said, Dwight, I, I don't think you're white. I just, I don't see it, man. <laughs> I said, that's, the, that's probably the greatest compliment I've ever been given. I'm not an old white guy. This is so cool. And then I said, how come I can't dance? I mean, you saw it a minute ago. I said, if I'm not white, I mean, because I know. She's Nigerian, and she just speaks the truth with boldness. And this week she said, this last year you've changed so much. I said, it's the Lord. We've worked together for 10 years. I said, it's the Lord. Do the people that work around you, do they say, you know, she's different? She lives her faith in Christ. She strips away all the stuff that says, I got my act together, but I'm going to judge you. No. In the, if you go to the original languages about judging and gossiping, Pastor Nita, that's called Facebook. If you go in the original, like in the, like in the Hebrew. Because let's just go judge people. No, here's better. Instead of, gossiping, instead of gossiping about the Kardashians, oh, did you hear what Kim did? Wouldn't it be great if we said, let's just pray for Kim? Something happened, and Beyonce was quoted as saying, I'm a God-fearing woman. I'm not going to do that. I don't know Beyonce, but I know this. Anybody who says I'm God-fearing, okay, I'm good with that. Wouldn't it be great instead of gossiping about politicians and, and, and famous people and celebrities, what would happen if we said, I'm going to, let, let's just, just say, you know what, let's pray for Beyonce. Let's pray for the Kardashians. Wouldn't that just be like the master? Because he didn't judge people. He only got angry at one group, religious hypocrites. All the broken people, the screwed up people, the messed up people like me, the insecure people. And you see, it's hard for me because I was the illegitimate child of teenage parents who ran away to central Florida to get away from the embarrassment. Because in the Eisenhower administration... Back in the 1950s, it was embarrassing if you had a kid out of wedlock. I'm glad that changed, because now, if you have a baby, that's kind of cool, you have a baby. It's not about, oh, this is terrible, you should hide. That's why almost 60 million babies have been aborted, because of shame. And the number one emotion that Satan uses against you and me is shame. Remember? The man and the woman in the garden had sinned, and the evil one knew he could trap them. And so he could use any emotion against them, and he made them feel ashamed. And when you're ashamed, you go and you hide from God. That's the crash track. When you realize, man, my life is messed up. Then you go to the right track. Turn to somebody next to you and say, do right. Do right. Because you know you do. Now, here's the cool thing. Some of, some of you are younger than 15, and it's so cool to be able to look at your dad and go, you need to do right. Isn't that cool? It's like, yeah... I remember when I was a kid watching my dad, I, you know, I saw the sign that, you know, it's like one of those big round circles with the big X through it, no left turn. And I looked at it, my dad made a left turn, and it was a, like a, the police immediately gave him a ticket. And I remember saying, I, I saw the sign. He said, why didn't you say something? I'm like 12 years old. I said, I didn't think you'd listen. 
It was a long walk home uh, that day. It was a long walk home. Crash track, right track. When you get from the right track, the test track, just like at Epcot, the test track is to be able to practice. Test track is called the Father's House. We get involved in ministry, small group. We get involved in serving and helping because that testing is what grows us and develops us. And the fast track is a life that other people want to follow. Other people go, how did you do that? It's because you heard truth right here. Your spiritual timeline cannot develop without hearing truth. Who do you have in your life that speaks truth into your life? Now, here's how not to do it. Because if you speak truth this way, stuffed emotions and silence. You know, it's, no, I'm, it, I'm good. No. See, I'm a southerner. And so what I've learned in the south is that southerners will lie about a lot of things. No, I'm fine. No, really. Now, instead of telling you the truth like they were from New Jersey, what, are you looking at me? You want to step outside? <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> the state, and here, this, is, this won't shock you, the state that has the best mental health, according to the American Counseling Association, is New Jersey. They have the best mental health. And when people like me tried to figure out what, it's because, you know, they just tell you what they think. They don't stuff it inside. Kind of interesting. So that's indirect, and it doesn't work. Look at the direct ways. Direct ways to confront us to be very stern. Scream, shout. The louder you are, the less the people around you listen. The louder you are, the less other people listen. Escúchame, por favor. The louder you are, other people don't listen because they're thinking of either how to run from you or how to fight back. But nobody's listening. And so that's why when law enforcement shows up at domestic violence, the most dangerous thing police officers do is domestic violence because people lose complete sense of, of any rational thought because they're trying to prove their point. They're trying to prove I'm right. This, this will be fun. Look at somebody next to you and say, you ain't right. I mean, just you ain't right, no. And remember, they already know that you're not either. Because we're all screwed up, so don't take too much joy in that. Here's the best way to confront, speak up. To be able to speak up. To be able to speak the truth in love, right? Now look at the emotional roadblocks that block truth. Emptiness, doubt, apathy, worry, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, fear, hatred, blaming, addictions. The number one addiction, addiction in the United States right now, opioids, kills almost 200 people every day. Almost 200 people every single day die from opioids, and almost all of those opioids were prescribed by a doctor. The number one addiction in the United States is prescription medication. So when we look at addictions, cheating, comfort, burnout, and you say, well, why would you put comfort on there? God didn't put you on this planet to be comfy cozy. Brothers and sisters, my dear friends, the Bible says that we are in a war and that we are to take up our sword and stand against evil. Well, Dwight, I just wanted to kind of get a motorhome and kick back, you know? I mean, you know, God blessed us and we just you want to kind of, kind of take, take it easy these years. And, you know, our grandkids are all screwed up and they act weird and, you know, we'll give them a gift card at Christmas, but I don't want to mess with it because, you know, we're comfortable. I mean... I have the golf channel. I mean, I can watch golf all day long. Comfort is a way. Shopping channels are a way. 
The evil one just wants to distract you from the fact that there's a battle going on. This community of believers understands that. That's why we are life savers for so many people. Loneliness, disappointment, it's magnified by denial and blame-shifting behavior. Look at the warning signs of a life without spiritual maturity. I need to put them in the study guide. The tendency to get bogged down in daily life problems. Instead of looking at God's goodness or counting blessings, you're counting problems. Easily angry, but may stuff it inside or get moody. I mean, you turn to somebody next to you and say, stop being moody, because you know you are, right? Some mornings I wake up grumpy, other mornings I let her sleep. Okay. Did I say that? I was just thinking it. Did I say it out loud? Man, I need that ADD medicine. I need that ADD medicine bad. There was an army chaplain who did not change the world. His name was Oswald Chambers, and at my friend's funeral the other day, it listed in the program incorrectly. It said his favorite devotional was my utmost for his highest, the number one devotional in history written by Oswald Chambers. The picture you see on the screen, that's incorrect. He died from a ruptured appendix in World War I as an army chaplain. He had a group of about a dozen guys that he would meet with for Bible study, and he would write copious notes. And when he died, his wife carried on his ministry. His wife wrote the rest of the book, and published it under his name. So when I think on an anniversary, maybe you've lost somebody that you love. Maybe your grandmother was the prayer warrior for an entire generation in your family tree, and she's gone to be with the Lord, and we all miss grandma. Did you pick up grandma's sword? Did you see the movie War Room? There are people in my family. I'm standing here today as as the offspring of teenage parents who ran away from shame. I'm sitting here today because of prayer warrior people in my family tree who are in heaven today because they prayed for me for this moment that I would stand and speak the truth to you. Is there shame in your family tree? Cut that limb off. Is there addiction in your family tree? Yeah, let's just go ahead and deal with that. Alcoholism, greed, lust, Is it about materialism? Wouldn't it be great if we could just say on anniversary, wouldn't it be great if we could say, I'm going to cut that out of my life. I'm going to cut this out of the family tree. I don't want our family to be the family where it's about rage and hatred, and we say we love each other, but we are the ones who are the most mean and vicious and hateful to each other with our words. But when we get to church, well, how are you doing? Listen, sometimes I'll see like a minivan pulling into the church parking lot, and you can see people snapping and yelling at each other. The minivan parks, the doors open. It's like different people. You know what that means? There are aliens among us. You know, it's like the walking dead or something. It's like, I don't know, but they were yelling a minute ago. Which one of these things is real? Oswald said the test of Christianity is that a man lives better than he preaches. Oh, my. Oswald Chambers lived a bold life. Here's what I mean. A bold life, if you're living a bold life, he knew what he believed. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe about money? Jesus taught more about money and being generous and seeing that it's God's than any other topic combined. He talked more about that than heaven and hell combined. Because if I see what you do with your income, 
I can tell you something about your soul. I can tell you something about your character. Do you know what you believe about covenant relationship? Do you know what you believe about marriage and family and the children that God gave you? Do you know what you believe? Oswald was obedient to his calling. He knew what he believed, and he was obedient to his calling. You see, if you know what you believe about your life partner, then lust just doesn't work because you know what you believe. My grandfather was dead before I was born because of the sin pattern in his life, and one of that, a big part of that was fueled by alcohol. So my mother said, you know, we will not drink in this family because if you do, I will hunt you down and kill you. And so, okay, got it, Mom. <coughs> she knew what she believed, but because she said, we will not let substances ruin this family the way that substances ruined my family. It stops here. Wow. She took a lot of heat for that. I'll never forget my dad. He worked for a company, United Steelworkers Company, and one year for Christmas, they gave him this big, for the Christmas gift, this big decanter of scotch. I'm sure it was quite valuable. And man, my mom went off on him, and she said, give me that. And I'll never forget, I was probably 10 years old. She poured it down the sink, this real pretty glass bottle. It was about this big. She knew what she believed. I'll see her tonight, later today, take her and my dad, who's very feeble. I'll take him to dinner, and I'll thank her for the godly legacy. Are you that person in your family to say, it stops here? Are you bold? Are you obedient? Do you love helping other people? Are you driven for God's kingdom? Are you trying to build a kingdom here? So when I think about this idea, I go to Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul knew he was in prison, but listen to what he said in verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love. That means get along with each other. Look at verse 15, most powerful verse, most important verse. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. The reason I said turn to somebody next to you and say grow up is because we need to grow up in every way. My life needs to be better because I'm living my faith, and then you can come alongside, and then together we can be even better. You know why? Because one day, one day, it's just going to be it's just going to be a marker on a headstone. Born, died, and all that they will remember is your legacy. So what's the secret to leaving the world better? Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. You want a better legacy? Are they going to show up at your funeral to be able to see if they're in the will? You know, I heard about somebody who said, you know, you know he had this relative, kind of a greedy relative, and the attorney's reading the will a couple of weeks after the funeral. And, and, and it said right in the will, and to my cousin Charlie, who always wanted to be remembered in my will. Hello, Charlie. <laughs> Hello, Charlie. What are you going to be remembered for? Wow, you know, Grandpa's Rolex. Or Grandpa prayed for me. When you take a look at Billy Graham, what was he remembered for? Mother Teresa serving the poor. When you look at the people who all had one thing in common, they died, they went to, but, but we remember what they wrote. When we look at these individuals, what's remembered, they knew what they believed, they were obedient to the calling, 
They loved helping people. They were driven. R.C. Sproul, right here in Sanford, Florida. But when I think about, when I think about an anniversary, what do you need to cut out of your life so that your legacy reflects more of Jesus? What do you need to cut out of your, your marriage, your family, your secret sins? What do you need to strip off so that it's just more about Jesus? The Easter season, we talk about Lent, giving up something because of the sacrifice Christ made. Wouldn't it be great, Pastor, wouldn't it be great if we could, if we could do Lent every day of the year? And then all year long, it would be, God, I don't want anything to be in the way, just you, Lord. In fact, Pastor Terry, come pray for us. Because I believe that there are people here today that you need to clean something out of your life or that you need to be that lifesaver for somebody else and to be able to say to a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, you know what? I met the Lord and it changed my life. Can I tell you about it? Pray for us, Pastor. Let's bow our heads. Let's, Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you today for challenging us, reminding us that there are things in our life that needs to change. And Lord, we come to you today and we pray for anyone that might be here that they're saying, yeah, there's some areas, there's some things I need to cut off that we'd be willing to do that today. Also, Lord, we pray for those that are here today that have never invited you into their heart, into their life. Throughout this teaching today, you've been speaking into them that this is a day of surrendering their heart and their life to you. Lord, we read in your word that no man can come to you. We can't even make it to heaven unless we come by the way of Jesus when you said you are the way. With every head bowed and just you as a, as a point of you just thinking about where you are and even those of you that are watching online, maybe you'd say today, Terry, you know, I've, I've never invited Jesus into my heart and into my life. It's not an accident that you're here today. It's not an accident that you heard those scriptures just a minute ago. It's not an accident. Some of you are saying, you know what? My life is crashing and my life, I'm going through a crisis right now and I don't know the way out. And it's not an accident that you're here today. Lord wanted you to know that He is the way. He's the only way. It's not turning over another leaf. It's not making another New Year's resolution. But it's simply saying, I realize my only hope is in Jesus Christ. Friends, thanks for watching today. And I believe that today's teaching was life-changing for you. We prayed that way and we believe that it would. And so I just want to say in advance, thank God for how He changes our life through the power of His Word. I would um, encourage you today that if you've never made Jesus the Savior of your life, the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you today and for you to make that decision. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. That's what's so very important. So I'll pray a prayer and uh, you put your heart to it and you pray this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. I could never get good enough to come to you in your holiness. But I know that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again on the third day to give me a new start, a new beginning. So today, I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life. And as best as I know how, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit. 
and help me to walk day by day in your strength and your power. Man, I hope you prayed that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you call the church office or let us know that you prayed that prayer. I have a book that I'd like to give you that'll help you know the next steps to take. Uh, Giving our heart to the Lord is not just something that we do to get the guilt or the bad feeling away, but it's a life change. It's new things that we start doing, and the book that I want to give you will help you in that. Also, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to join with you in praying about those. And uh, if the Father's house and these teachings have uh, blessed you and you've benefited from them, would you consider supporting the Father's house? Uh, First of all, through prayer and encouragement, and second of all, through financial support. That's how we continue to keep our missionaries going. That's how we're able to keep these sermon series going out to you. And so if you'll just ask God what he would have for you to do, I would really appreciate it. So just remember, here at the Father's house, we don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. And I think you're going in the right direction. So I want to see you next week as you watch here from the Father's house as we bring you the word that will change your life.